Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's parasha is Pinchas, uh, a very uh, complex, uh, involved parasha. It's actually, in terms of column inches, uh, the longest single reading in the entire Torah. And uh, in large measure, uh, Pinchas is going to show us about the preparation for the next generation, the generation that will enter into uh, the land of Israel. Parashat Pinchas uh, is uh, divided up, we might say, into uh, six sections. Uh, the first section is actually a continuation of last week's parasha, uh, in which Pinchas, the grandson of Aharon, son of Elazar, is uh, given his reward for his acts. The acts at the end of the uh, last parasha talked about how through Pinchas's uh, intervention uh, and uh, act of uh, ze zealousness, actually, in killing the two uh, people who were publicly fornicating, uh, the plague was, uh, was stopped. And now we find out what his reward is. Uh, he is going to be uh, also included in the priesthood and the kohuna. And he's also going to get a blessing of peace. As for uh, the priesthood, as for the kohuna, uh, we understand that the kohanim uh, were designated to be Aharon, of course. Uh, his sons, uh, the first two sons uh, died, uh, Nadav and Avihu died. And the ones that were left were Elazar and Itamar. And they were the ones who were to be the kohanim as well as any of their descendants that would be born uh, subsequent to this appointment. Uh, Pinchas, however, was born before, and therefore, uh, initially, Pinchas was not going to be a Kohen, um, but as a result of this, God rewards him by making him a Kohen, he and his descendants, Kohanim as well. He's also going to get a bracha of peace, uh, a, and we're going to discuss this uh, bracha of peace uh, later on. The second part of the parasha is the order to attack Midian. Midian is the nation that joined together with uh, Moab uh, to, uh, to try to hire Bilam to curse uh, B'nai Israel, uh, as well as sending the Midianite women uh, to entice B'nai Israel to uh, Avodah idolatry, as well as uh, immorality. And because the acts of the Midianim uh, drove a wedge, as we might say, between Hashem and the people of Israel, which led to a plague of 24,000 people, as a result, they are to be attacked. Uh, this is the order to attack, uh, but the actual attack does not happen uh, just yet. Uh, in, as part of the preparation for this attack, uh, we have the next section of the parasha, and that is uh, a census. Remember, there was a census taken at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, and then another one uh, later on. And now we have yet another census taken. Uh, one of the reasons is because they're preparing for war against Midian, so they need to know the size of the standing army. This is after the plague, and the census is uh, men from the age of 20 and above, those people who are suitable for the army. Uh, we're also told that they are to 
be counted not only as individuals and members of uh, the tribes, but also according to their family subdivisions. And so we have a, a great listing of all of the tribes and all of the family subdivisions. Uh, and this uh, leads us to a total. The total is 601,730. And then brings us to another purpose of this census, uh, which is that it is on the basis of this census uh, that the land of Israel is going to be divided. It will be divided according to the tribes and according to the family sub subdivisions, uh, taking into account the size of the families, uh, and also it's going to be done by lottery. There is a separate census done of the tribe of Levi, uh, and that is because the Levim do not inherit uh, in the land of, uh, of Israel. Uh, and therefore their census has to be uh, separate. They also don't go to war. And we are uh, told also within the family of, uh, of the Levim, we're told uh, specifically about the family of Amram, that's uh, the father of Moshe, as well as of Miriam and uh, Aharon. This section uh, concludes by saying that out of all of the people who came out of Egypt or originally, uh, the only ones who have survived and will go into the land of Israel are Kalev and Yehoshua. They were the uh, scouts that uh, did not uh, repeat the uh, disheartening report. They said a positive report. We can take the land, uh, but that was 40 years before. And now we at the end of the 40 years, only Kalev and Yehoshua uh, remain. Even Moshe will not be uh, permitted to enter the land of, uh, of Israel. And we will learn about that uh, later on in, uh, in the Torah. As the uh, Torah discusses the division of the land according to the uh, divisions of the families and of the tribes, uh, we come to the fourth section of the parasha, uh, which is the uh, the daughters of Tzolofchad, uh, the arguments presented by the daughters of Tzolofchad. Tzolofchad uh, was someone from the tribe of Menashe. He was among those who came out of Egypt. Uh, he is no longer alive. He died in the desert. And he left uh, five daughters and no sons. Uh, they present their case. These five daughters present their case before Moshe, that uh, they should also receive a portion in the land in their father's name, named after their uh, father, because their father was among those who left Egypt. And that is uh, at least a partial consideration uh, for how the land is to be divided up. Uh, Hashem speaks to Moshe uh, and essentially says that Hashem agrees that uh, these uh, five women should receive their father's portion. There's some discussion of other, uh, other entitlements, uh, which we won't go into right now, uh, but uh, the, the essential argument is that the daughters of Tzolofchad are, are not unique. Uh, in fact, we are taught here the laws of inheritance, that uh, generally speaking, sons inherit their father, but, and in the context of the arguments of uh, the daughters of Tzolofchad is when this is taught, if a man dies without sons, then his daughters inherit him. Uh, under other circumstances, daughters would not inherit, but under these circumstances, daughters 
do inherit their uh, father. The Torah goes on to say that if a person dies uh, without uh, sons or daughters, then uh, his brothers inherit from him. And if there are no brothers, then the father's brothers uh, would inherit. And the next in line of uh, inheritance succession are other relatives that the person had uh, related through the father. So it is uh, in the merit of the arguments of the wise daughters of Tzolof Chad that we are taught uh, the details uh, of the laws of, uh, of inheritance. The fifth section of the parasha is where Moshe must prepare to die. Hashem says to Moshe, you must prepare uh, yourself. You're going to go up to the mountain. Uh, it's uh, We're told later on that it's called uh, Har Nevo, Mount Nevo. Uh, he will uh, be able to see the land from there, but he will not enter the land. And But the, the main message of Hashem to Moshe right now is you have to prepare uh, to die. And Moshe requests that uh, in preparation for his own death, that there be a successor, someone who will take over from Moshe. There will be no doubt. There will be no question about who will be the next leader. Very important that the successor is uh, is named. And so in the presence of Elazar, who is the Kohen Gadol, and the entire congregation, Yehoshua, Moshe's uh, attendant and main student is uh, is ordained uh, to be Moshe's successor and endowed with prophecy. And ordained here means uh, that Moshe lays his hands on to uh, Yehoshua and he is uh, given prophecy, but he's also given the, uh, the leadership of the next generation. And there will be no question about who will take over uh, after Moshe's death. The final section of the parasha uh, deals in great detail with uh, sacrifices, uh, specifically uh, those sacrifices that are brought within a certain time frame. Uh, and it, we have here the yearly sacrificial order, starting with the, the, uh, the timidim, you can call those continual sacrifices daily, those sacrifices that are brought every day, and it's called the Korban Tamid, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And also the Musafim, the additional sacrifices that are brought uh, occasionally, by which I mean uh, in connection with specific occasions. So the Torah begins by telling us the uh, Korbanot that are brought every day, the Tamid, morning and afternoon, and then proceeding to the occasions. Every week we have Shabbat, so they're the special Musaf sacrifices that are brought on Shabbat, proceeding from there to Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of uh, every new month. There are special sacrifices that are brought. And then continuing through the yearly cycle, we had the daily cycle, the Shabbat weekly cycle, the monthly cycle, and then we proceed from there to the yearly cycle. The sacrifices of Pesach, uh, the sacrifices of Shavuot, the then proceeding to Rosh Hashanah, we're going in the order in which uh, these events occur during the uh, during the year. So after Shavuot, we have Rosh Hashanah, and then the sacrifices or the Musaf sacrifices of Yom Kippur. Remember that uh, much earlier in the Torah, 
back in Sefer uh, Vayikra, we had the full service that is done on Yom Kippur, but here the focus is on the the additional sacrifices of Yom Kippur, uh, which were mentioned uh, back there, but are mentioned here as well. And uh, finally, the sacrifices of uh, Sukkot and the eighth day, which is we know as uh, Shmini Atzeret. So this would uh, bring us to the end of this uh, this section and the end of the parasha, all of the sacrifices within the uh, context of uh, the context of the uh, of time, daily, weekly, monthly, and uh, and yearly. Uh, it's important to point out that during uh, the year, uh, whenever these uh, musaf sacrifices are brought. Uh, we say uh, Musaf prayers in, as it were, uh, taking the place of the Musaf sacrifices. Let's go back, as I said, uh, to the beginning of the parasha, uh, where there is a discussion about the rewards that Pinchas is to, uh, is to receive. So the Torah says in the beginning that Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aharon, um, has turned back my anger, Hashem says, my wrath from the Israelites uh, by, by uh, acting in, uh, in zealousness. He uh, intervened. Pinchas uh, got involved and killed the two people who were involved in this terrible sin. Uh, and that stopped the plague. Hashem says that as a result, he did not destroy the entire people of Israel. Therefore, lachen uh, emol, therefore say, Hashem says to Moshe to tell Pinchas, uh, Behold, I grant him my brit, my covenant, my pact of peace, which shall be for him. Um, also, he will be uh, Kohen uh, going into the, to the future. And that's because he acted in a zealous way for, uh, for Hashem and he brought atonement for B'nai Israel. The uh, Ha'amek Daval commentary, written by Rav Talitzvi Yehuda Berlin in the 19th century, uh, has, met, has a number of comments on this. I want to focus on uh, two of them. One, why do we have this expression, lachen emol, say therefore? Uh, therefore say. Uh, it's an instruction to Moshe. This is unique because, after all, uh, all of the mitzvot are given to Moshe, and Moshe is required to convey them to Bnei Yisrael. So why is it said here explicitly? The, uh, the HaMekdavar uh, gives an explanation, which he said in the name of his father-in-law, uh, Rav Yitzchak of uh, Volozhin, uh, by, we, by means of an analogy. He gives a story about a certain minister of war uh, or a, a general, um, was not able to get out of a certain uh, military crisis. He was not able, he was stuck and wasn't able to solve the problem. Uh, however, a soldier from lower down in the ranks uh, did come forward and gave him uh, the, an idea how to, uh, to deal with this uh, military crisis. And 
it was successful. So the, the true salvation came from someone in lower ranks. Well, this soldier, of course, reserves uh, a reward. The minister of war reserve, deserves a, a kind of punishment or a chastisement for, uh, in the form of a loss of honor. It has to be pointed out to him that really the, uh, he should have come up with uh, the idea because after all, uh, his high position should show that he is uh, capable. Um, therefore, the king commanded that when the time comes for the soldier of the lower rank to receive a reward, that the minister should be the one to deliver and present the present to this soldier, which is uh, a bit of a punishment for the minister um, because it's a, a loss of honor for him to be the one to deliver the, uh, the gift. Uh, the, the reward. In the same way, it, uh, at the same time that Pinchas is being rewarded for uh, properly uh, stopping the plague from, uh, from proceeding, uh, it's also a bit of a criticism to Moshe for not uh, having done anything uh, sufficient to stop the plague. And so since Moshe failed in his responsibility, he couldn't find it in himself, the ability to do that which Pinchas was able to do uh, for whatever reason, um, while Pinchas did. So that's why Moshe is the one who has to tell Pinchas uh, of his uh, reward uh, from Hashem. So it's a, uh, it's a bit of a, a punishment for Moshe, um, uh, a bit of a loss of honor uh, under these circumstances. The other issue that uh, that the Hamekdavar deals with is this covenant of peace. Why specifically is Pinchas uh, rewarded, in addition to being a Kohen, why is he also rewarded with peace? What's the, uh, what's the appropriateness of this uh, this uh, reward. Uh, after all, uh, Pinchas, in his act of zealousness, uh, was not acting in accordance with peace. Uh, he acted in accordance with, uh, with vengeance, with, uh, with zealousness, um, which was appropriate at the time, but still, uh, it seems out of place to reward his act of zealousness with peace. So the uh, the Ha'amek Davar uh, says uh, that it's a reward to, uh, it's a kind of a cure. Uh, when a person uh, is involved in zealousness, even when it's justified, uh, there is a danger that that zealousness is going to spill over into the person's personality uh, and is going to make him, uh, on other occasions, quick-tempered, angry. Um, and as the, uh, the Hamek Davar says, that it would only be natural that uh, what Pinchas did should leave in Pinchas's heart um, an intense emotional unrest. That's the way the Hamek Davar uh, says it. But of course, since he did it for, you know, the Shem Shamayim, for the sake of, hev uh, of heaven, so his reward is that he would uh, have serenity and peace and therefore. Uh, what uh, what he did, his act of zealousness, uh, would not 
forever stain his uh, his personality uh, and his emotional state. Um, he could continue to act on behalf of Hashem, uh, even taking a very strong stand, uh, but nevertheless maintain at the same time a sense of inner peace. So the reward of peace here is a, a countermeasure. Uh, it's a counterbalance uh, to what could occur to somebody like Pinchas uh, to be in a state of uh, emotional unrest. Uh, Pinchas receives peace because he needs it very, very much. I thank you all very much for joining me in this uh, exploration of Parashat Pinchas. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom. Shalom.